welcome you guys. So happy that you guys are with us uh, today. Uh, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you before, uh, my name is Kirby. My wife, Jennifer, and I are the youth pastors here at Victory. And uh, I'm grateful to Pastor Ben uh, for asking me to bring the At The Movies message today in week two. Wasn't last week incredible? Come on. Give it up for Pastor Ben's message last week. From the movie Interstellar, it was awesome. Uh, it was powerful, too. If you if you missed it, go back, listen to the podcast, uh, watch the replay. It was absolutely fantastic. And uh, we're just incredibly excited to be in the middle of November, in the middle of At The Movies. It is an absolute blast. And uh, if you're new here, we want to just welcome you guys so much. And uh, I wanted to just, just say a quick note before we get into the movie. I've got some uh, movie trivia to start off the day, but also... I want to just make a quick note as well, uh, in case you guys hadn't already known uh, about this, this is something that we say every year at the movies, uh, but we want to kind of give a quick little shout out uh, to one of our favorite movie streaming things, it's called Vid Angel, if you haven't heard of it, Vid, like video, and Angel, it's an awesome way uh, to filter out movies at your home, uh, and also just want to say, before you go home and watch the movie from today... Watch it with VidAngel where you could filter out stuff, okay? Uh, Today's movie is a rated R movie, okay? But I watched it through VidAngel, so it was like a PG movie to me, okay? So uh, it's absolutely fantastic. want to give that little shout-out to you guys. It's it's an extra little thing. Just check out the info online. It would be a great way for you guys to maybe enjoy some other movies at home uh, with your family. It's an awesome thing called VidAngel. But anyways, so I want to get started off with the movie trivia this morning. I got three... Uh, things that, uh, little movie trivia questions that I want to give to you guys in the spirit of at the movies. Get us all in the movie spirit. And uh, the first one comes from Wizard of Oz. Anybody in here seen Wizard of Oz? Right there we go. Now, I didn't realize this until yesterday, but in the Wizard of Oz, in the poppy scene, okay, y'all know where they're in the poppies and they start falling asleep and the snow starts falling on the characters. Does anybody in the room know? what the crew used for fake snow. Anybody? Shout that out. Asbestos. (laughs) See, what's funny is in like 1920, everyone was like, yes, asbestos. And everyone today is like, no, asbestos. Yeah. Look at that. That's terrible. I have a picture of people getting cancer on screen right now. Okay. Um, number two, uh, the second one, uh, Indiana Jones is like one of the greatest characters in movie history. Are we all in agreement? Anybody grew up in the eighties and nineties Christmas, you wanted a whip and the fedora hat, right? There we go. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But, uh, what I didn't realize was that, uh, Steven Spielberg was actually very productive during the filming of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And when Harrison Ford's wife at the time came and visited him on set, uh, Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford's wife, uh, in between shooting, uh, in breaks, they wrote the entire script to another movie while they were on break of Raiders of the Lost Ark. On set, okay? Does anybody know what that movie was that they wrote on break during Indiana Jones? Bring up that picture. They wrote E.T., while they were just on break, right? That's insane, right? <laughs> and everybody knows Indiana Jones. Everybody knows Wizard of Oz. Everybody knows 
uh, E.T. Now, my last question, you might not have seen this movie. In the 2020 film called The Imitation Game, uh, the main actor, Benedict Cumberbatch, who he's basically everything these days, right? He's like Smog the Dragon. He's like everything. Anyways, he's everywhere. But in this movie, he was uh, playing this guy named Alan Turing, uh, an actual figure who uh, helped to decode the Enigma code during World War II, and that's what his movie was about. But he was so dedicated to the role that he actually had an exact copy made of something of Alan Turing's, the guy he was playing, okay? He had, he had an exact copy made of something that he wore in every shot that he was on screen during the movie. Does anybody know what it was? You can maybe see it from the picture. He had an exact copy of his false teeth made. They had a, a set of this guy's false teeth, and they made an exact copy, so his teeth would, would look the exact... And now that you see it, you can't unsee it, right? We're like, okay, there's his teeth, okay? Everybody's looking at his teeth. Uh, so today's movie doesn't feature the teeth, but it does feature Benedict Cumberbatch, okay? This is a different Benedict Cumberbatch movie that we're going to be looking at today. And today's movie is another 2020 film, but it's all about intrigue. It's all about suspicion. It's all about the idea of truth versus lies. It's all about the idea of bravery and accepting the call, loyalty duty and sacrifice. Today's movie, it's set in the 1960s behind the Iron Curtain of Soviet Russia. Today's movie is the 2020 Cold War spy film, The Courier. Symphony. Uh-huh. It'll finish really late. We can catch last train, huh? 
Отнеси ее вот тут. У сердца. Fear. He isn't 
He isn't satisfied of just being part of this Soviet military machine. And he reaches out in desperation to say, I need a higher purpose in my life. I've got to stop serving the things that are evil. I've got to stop serving the things that are, are, are really truly breaking down the world. And I've got to start serving a greater purpose. See, more than just simply escaping out of Russia, he wanted his life to have purpose. You could see that. It wasn't immediately just a, hey, get me out of Russia. What he asked was, hey, I want to stay here. And what he really truly wanted was he wanted to save the world from nuclear war. That's what he believed. He believed that the the Russian leaders uh, were arming up. He believed that they were evil. He believed that they weren't to be trusted with the great power of nuclear weapons. And he wanted to reach out and in some way serve the world and save the world. He wanted to make a difference. And as, I'm, as I watched this movie and, and thought about that, I just realized the, the truth of the fact that around us, every single day in life, whether you know it or not, there's people who are, who are suffering and they're reaching out themselves. It may not be an actual physical uh, Berlin Wall. It may not be the actual Iron Curtain. It might not be the surveillance state or anything like that. But the Bible says that uh, all of us, all of us, all of us are subject to this certain oppression at some point in our lives. Jesus says it in John eight thirty four. He says, "Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin." As Dark and evil and as oppressive uh, of a regime as the Soviet Union was, it's nothing compared to the weight of sin in our lives. It's nothing compared to it. And, and I love the beauty of what Jesus says here. Is he doesn't elevate certain sins or certain sinners as worse than others, like so many on the conservative right do today in America. But at the same time, he doesn't say sin doesn't exist and you do you like so many on the liberal left in America. Instead, he convicts everyone on the spectrum. He says everyone who sins is enslaved and oppressed. And whether you know it or not, whether they know it or not, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And as believers in Christ, I want to remind all of us this morning of the countless people that we encounter every single day. We're all human. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And the Bible says that whoever sins is a slave to sin. There's so many people around us every day that we pass by who are reaching out, just like Oleg Pinkowski was reaching out in the scene. What a tragedy and a travesty it would be if we pass somebody up that we... We feel needs the love of Jesus, but we say, I don't want to bother them with an invite to church. I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be seen as weird, maybe. And my question to you guys, maybe this morning and to myself as well, is if I saw somebody drowning on my way to work, which my way to work is walking across the parking lot, they have to be drowning in the ditch, but crazier things have happened. Okay, but if, if we saw somebody drowning on the way to work, would we ask, you know, hey, would it bother them if I jump in right now? If someone was drowning on our way to work, would we say, yeah, but 
I jump in right now, my clothes are going to be all wet. When I go to work, and everybody's going to look at me and be like, your clothes are all wet. That's so weird. No, if we see someone drowning, we jump in and we figure everything out later. And the truth is that as well. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, and they're all reaching out. Whether they know it or not, whether you know it or not, they're behind an iron curtain of sin, and they're reaching out. They want to escape from it, and more than just escaping from it, they want to take hold of the purpose that God has created them for. And that's my hope for all of us today, that we do that. Now, Oleg Pinkowski, in his note, he gave it to the uh, embassy, and that note made it from the embassy to the CIA and to the British MI6, which is the British version, basically, of the CIA. They decide that they need to make contact with Pinkowski. He's too great of an asset to pass up. But they decide that the best way to reach out to him and to make contact with him, to let him know that they even got the letter and know about him in the first place, they, figure, they realize that the best way to reach out to him isn't through some secret agent, It's not through some ornate military operation. They decide that the best way to infiltrate the Soviet Union is through an ordinary British businessman named Greville Wynne. Hello, Greville. I hope you don't mind. My friend Helen is a consultant in from the States. I thought, why not? Greville Wynne, a real pleasure. Helen Talbot, likewise. James tells me you've been working in Eastern Europe. Mm, more and more. Mm. Tremendous opportunities. Plenty of demand, no local supply. Czechoslovakia, Hungary, ghastly food. <laughs> what about the Soviet Union? Well, not just yet. Someday, I'd like to see temperatures cool off a bit first. Actually, now might be the perfect time. Oh, really? Why? What do you hear? Well, Helen and I have associates who'd be interested to see what might come of it. It would be a real service to Great Britain. And the world. Forgive me, I'm just a bit... Sorry, James, I know you said you had an office in the Board of Trade. Is it possible you actually work at a different branch of Her Majesty's government? Oh, my. This is unexpected. Sorry, I I don't understand why. I'm, I'm, I'm just a salesman. Exactly. An ordinary salesman with no connection to the government. Look, this is all fascinating, and I, I really can't believe I'm actually having lunch with spies. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I couldn't possibly. What do you want me to do? Nothing dodgy, nothing illegal. Just what you would naturally do. I'm sorry, I don't follow. Someone in your field, hoping to do business in the Soviet Union. How would you get started? I suppose I'd set up a meeting with the State Committee for Scientific Research in Moscow. That sounds fine. So you want me to go to Moscow and then... Do business. 
All this secrecy must seem absurd, but I promise it's to help you. We want you to act exactly like the ordinary businessman you are. That'll be much easier if you don't know any details. Right, but will I be putting myself in danger? That detail I, I have to know. Greville, let me put this delicately. You're a middle-aged businessman who drinks a bit too much and isn't exactly in top shape. During the war, you were a private and never even saw combat. My point is, if this mission was the least bit dangerous, you really are the last man we'd send. Well, thank you for putting it so delicately. I love the sentiment of that clip. I think my favorite part of it is the moment that they put the mission to Greville. And he says, I'm just a salesman. But the beauty of it is they say, that's exactly why we want you. He says, I'm just a salesman, but that's exactly why we want you. I believe that there's two kind of fundamental misunderstandings about the Christian life that I want to address that I feel like this clip kind of brings up to the forefront. And the first is that people a lot of times misconstrue that the Christian life is, it's kind of like trying to get valedictorian, right? You have to know all the right answers. You have to not be tardy. You have to, um, you know, like I said, know all the right answers. You have to behave all the time. You have to uh, have your hair come just right. You have to wear the right suit. You have to sit down. You have to shut up. You have to say no to fun. You have to say no to adventure. But I believe the Bible says something completely different to that. And I believe personal experience of anybody in this room who has lived the Christian life can tell you as well that it's not as much like trying to get valedictorian, but it's so much more like being on a mission called behind enemy lines. That is really, truly what the Christian life is like. Much like our protagonist, Greville Wynn. Uh, again, Greville Wynn was also a historical figure. This is based on true events of the relationship between Greville Wynn and Oleg Penkovsky. And what he has to do in the middle of his life as a salesman, in his thriving business, he has to put everything at risk. Now, while they say he's not being put in danger, everybody can know when he's going behind the Iron Curtain to make contact with a Russian defector, he's putting himself in danger. And the truth is this, is that when we, as human beings, give our lives to Jesus, what we're saying is we're not going to serve ourselves and the devil anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to take our lives and submit to the higher purpose of what God has called us to do in our lives. We accept the mission that God has called us to live out. Now, does that change the way that we behave? Yes. Does it change some of the choices that we make? Of course. But it's inevitable. It's born out of the mission that is born in our hearts. It's coming out of the mission that we've accepted it's like a Navy SEAL changes their behavior and the choices they make. Or how a spy will change their behaviors and the choices they make. It's not like being a valedictorian. The life of a Christian, really, truly, if it's biblical, is like being a spy behind enemy lines. The second misunderstanding that I think this clip kind of illustrates for us is that a lot of people also, once you are in the church, once you have given your lives to Jesus, the second misunderstanding is that it's only really the super spiritual 
that can accomplish the mission, okay? Everybody else can, like, come alongside and be, like, the cheerleaders and, like, cheer on the Sunday school teacher and cheer on, you know, that, that person who, like, really gets into it during worship, you know? Like, or, you know, like, you can, you can come alongside, but, like, you're not... We're, we're just regular Christians. We're not the weird ones, right? Can I get an amen this morning? Come on. Does that mean I'm a weird Christian? That you, okay, anyways. But it's for all of us. It's not just for the super spiritual. It's not just for the people who are on staff at the church. It's not just for the people who know... 10 times as many Bible verses as you do. It's for everyone. The Bible is very clear that there's a mission for all of us. Pastor Ben was talking this morning in the announcements about a trip to communist Cuba that anyone can go on. Anyone can take part. Carrie Stevens, who's been leading it up, home inspector for however many years when when god put it on his heart about leading these mission trips to cuba he could have said well i'm just a home inspector right i'm not going to go into a communist country but instead he accepted the mission everyone who served on the cuba mission teams from teachers to whoever who's gone down there has accepted the call and because of their willingness funds resources medical supplies all these things have gone down to encourage, support, and change the lives of people who are behind a literal iron, iron curtain today in Cuba. And the mission is there for all of us. Not just in Cuba, but here in Baton Rouge. In Denham Springs. In Zachary. In Central. It's for all of us. The mission is for all of us. I love the fact that God loves to use all of us. He loves to use the broken. He loves to use the stupid. Amen, right? God loves, the Bible says that he uses the weak things in the world to show his light to the strong in the world. I am so thankful that he can use weak and stupid and broken people. And it's not about us. It's all about his goodness. And so, if we're surrounded by people The call from God is loud and clear to all of us this morning. He's saying, if you're around humans today, or any time this week, or any time in your life, they're oppressed by sin and they need to be shown the truth. They need to be given that loving hand that points them to Jesus. God's calling. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. So Greville win in this clip. He agrees to the mission. He answers the call. And in this next clip, we could see him beginning to do business in Moscow.
не пришел рассказывать вам о том, что лучше для советской индустрии. Вы, конечно, знаете это намного лучше, чем я. Я всего лишь здесь, чтобы открыть дверь к лучшим производителям Запада. Your tie clip. I like it. Where did you get it? It was a gift from a friend. Is your friend American? Yes. We can talk here. It is safe. I sent word to your friend. You're, um, I think the word is amateur? Yes, exactly. Amateur. I've dreamt of this moment for a very long time. Thank you. I wish I could tell you how much this means. I think I'd rather that you didn't tell me. What happens now? I don't need to do anything, do I? No, you go home. Then you invite me to visit London with a trade delegation to meet your clients. Your government would allow you. They would be thrilled. Part of my job is to steal technology from the West. Your friend is clever. May I call you Oleg? In English, my name doesn't sound good. Call me Alex. Alex. You're a good amateur. I love that idea. You're a good amateur. You're a good amateur. And from this, Alex and Greville starts their operation. It wasn't just a one-off where he goes and makes contact with Oleg. Greville volunteers to continue to bring packages back from Russia. He was the courier. He didn't know what was in the packages. He just knew that whenever Oleg gave him something to bring it back to the West. And the awesome thing about the Christian life is that When we talk about the mission of bringing God's light and God's good news and all this, and it can be so daunting and intimidating. How do I even start to do that? But the way that God wants to use us is he wants us to use whatever gift and talent he's given you. I love that line, you're a good amateur, because so many times in life, especially when it comes to living out the Christian life, it's easy to feel unqualified. Because we all are. That's the beauty of the gospel. Is that the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve to get to be a part of what God is doing here in the world. But yet he loves us so much, he chooses us. And the way that we do it is we do whatever God has already given us. We use Like he says in Exodus, I'll put it this way. You don't have to be a professional 
for God's mission to work in your life. You see, when Moses was called by God to set the Israelites free from Egypt, God didn't ask him what his qualifications were. God didn't ask him, you know, how many years he spent at Cairo University, right? He didn't, he didn't ask Moses how many Bible verses he could recite. He asked him a question, and we can look at what the question is here. The Lord said to him, what you got? The Lord said to him, what do you have in your hand? And Moses said, it's a staff. Through that staff, God said, I'm going to use you to do miracles. That same staff was the staff that parted the Red Sea. Was it a magic staff? No. But it was the staff that Moses had in his hand. And whatever you have in life, God wants to use it. Whatever education you have, whatever job you have, whatever resources you have, God wants to use you to bring other people to freedom. Look, God used that staff that Moses had to show you and me today. What's in your hand? That's what I'll use to bring freedom to the people that are around you today. Now you can see from the video that they're going to be playing behind me here. Over the next few months, Alex was even allowed to come on that trade delegation trip to England to steal secrets. And while he was there, he met with MI6 and the CIA. Greville continued his trips to Russia. It's actually believed today that Alex and Greville smuggled out five thousand different pieces of Russian intelligence that helped keep the West informed of Russian nuclear capabilities and their Russian in, and their sorry their military intentions in just a few months. That's incredible. And at the same time on these trips, we could see Alex and Greville's friendship grew as well. Dad told me about Moscow. What's it like in the rest of Russia? It is very beautiful, especially where I come from. A lot of trees, a lot of sky. You feel very alone, but in a good way. I like to see that. But then, of course, your government isn't all that keen on foreigners just wandering around. Do the Russians really hate us that much? I think they'd like our children to be a little more polite, Andrew. Our politicians hate your politicians, and yours hate ours. Do not forget that. But the people, your father and I, put a business. We spend time together, I meet his family. Maybe we're only two people, but this is how things change. That's how things change. We're all God's creation, but it's amazing. Like we said earlier, none of us deserves it, but God chooses to use us. The way God is going to reach the people around you is he's going to use you to reach them. I don't know if you guys have noticed lately, but I feel like there's a lot of evil in the world these days. But if any of the evil in the world is going to change, it has to start with a change inside of us. 
It has to start with a change of how we treat the people around us. It has to start with a change in us of accepting the mission of bringing God's truth, of bringing God's light, of bringing God's love to the people around us. There's a quote that says, all it takes for evil men to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And I believe that the Bible shows us as well in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says that the fight that we're fighting is so much more than just fighting against each other. You see it on online, you see it on Twitter, on Facebook all the time. People just at each other's neck all day long. But the Bible shows us we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Don't post that tweet disparaging somebody. Your fight's not with them. Your fight is against flesh and blood enemies, against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places, the devil and his forces who want to keep the people around you enslaved and oppressed. All around is our enemy, and that's what he wants. When we see something wrong in the world, the Christian is not called to sit around moping and complaining. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Be God's ambassadors here on earth. That's the call for all of us. I've said it before. The Bible tells us that when we accept his forgiveness, when we become his children, it says that we are the temple of God. That means that his spirit, his fullness dwells inside each and every one of us. So God help us if we ever see injustice and pray, God, please go show up in that situation. Because I hear God saying, I'm inside you. Go bring me into that situation. So many times we begin to say yes to God's mission in our life. The truth is we don't want to because we know when we begin to walk out that mission, when we begin to reach out, when we begin to point people to the truth, many times those are when the enemy attacks the hardest. Now in the next clip that we're going to see, we're going to see Alex make his biggest discovery yet. And it seems that the KGB may be making discoveries of their own as well. Thank you, Alex. Контрабанда, конечно, 
интересуемся гравилом Уидом. Ничего необычного не замечали? Его поведение, может быть, контакты, что-нибудь? Ничего, что могло бы вызвать беспокойство. Иначе я бы отразил это в своих отчетах. Да, да, я внимательно их изучил. Мы прорабатываем его. Ничего не замечаю. Он же не в первый раз приезжает в Москву. А почему вы забеспокоились именно сейчас? Потому что он приезжает в Москву не в первый раз. Много где бывает, много с кем из довольно высокопоставленных людей встречается и постепенно вызывает вопросы. Ну, насколько я мог заметить, его интересуют только деньги, больше ничего. Но теперь я обращу на него гораздо больше внимания. Спасибо, товарищ Попов. Не буду задерживать вас. Спасибо, что предупредили. Оставлю сигареты. Пришлю вам целый блок. doctor who looked at Oleg said he was only overworked. So that's good. That was a joke, but anyways. But just before, what we saw was him making a discovery of Russian nuclear missiles being stationed on the island of Cuba. And if anybody knows from history, that's the Cuban Missile Crisis. The Americans knew about the missiles in Cuba because of Oleg and Greville Wynne. His discovery set into motion the Cuban Missile Crisis, where the world sat on the brink of nuclear war as Americans and Soviets negotiated back and forth on who was going to blink first, who was going to stand down. And as the crisis was unfolding on the world scene, and as they're offering you know, trading offers and threats back and forth, the MI6 and the CIA decide that it's time to get Alex out of Russia. They decide Alex is going to be picked up in an unmarked van. They're going to bring him by boat to Finland. They had this very complex plan, but there's no way to commute, communicate the plan to him. So Greville is already back in Britain. He volunteers to go back into the lion's den and deliver the escape plan to Alex. The plan is that Greville will leave just like normal by plane after their business meetings are over.
Take you to the airport. Oh, that'd be perfect. Thank you. Милиция сказал. Стойте туда нельзя. Пропустите его. Олег, а что происходит? Расскажите ей. Она ничего не знала, уже понимаете. Расскажите вашей семье, почему мы здесь. Я изменник Родины. Я предал революцию. Не очень жаль. Я так верил вам. Защищал в Кремле. Ну, как получилось? Давно это знать. С тех пор, как отравил вас, Пока вы были в больнице, мы произвели обыск, обнаружили тайник, установили тут наблюдение. Вчера вечером я уже видел ваш план. Утром пришли разглядеть его получше. Игра кончена. Но я себя ничего не знал, я клянусь. Мы поговорим о вашей семье после. Пора.
I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. He said, uh, come with us, Mr. Wynn. Why, what's going on? I don't understand. Mr. Wynn, please. sent to Russian gulags and while they were there they were tortured they were mistreated they were malnourished some of the worst treatment of prisoners in human history happened in these Russian gulags but while they're in prison the information that they delivered helped to avert the Cuban Missile Crisis while they're in prison the sacrifice that they made because of the information that was delivered by them, the Americans were able to stand up before the Russians were able to send missiles from Cuba. Because of the information found by Alex, delivered by the courier, everyone playing their part, President Kennedy knew about the Russian nukes in Cuba. He was able to maneuver so that the Russians withdrew the nuclear weapons and nuclear war was averted. Millions of lives were saved. One of the worst parts of the torture in the Russian gulag, specifically for Greville and for Alex, was that they were lied to constantly. While they were in the prison, they were constantly lied to, believing that they were abandoned by the West, that nobody cared about them, and that what they had done didn't matter. What they had done didn't accomplish anything. While the truth was, millions of lives were saved, Russia had withdrawn their nuclear weapons, the Russians continued to make Greville and Alex believe that the missile crisis had kept on going, that nuclear war had, out, had broken out, until the Russian government allowed a visit from Greville's wife. See, they knew nothing of the outside world. They didn't know that they had played a part in the nuclear disarmament in Cuba. They had no idea. But in that moment, Greble's wife told him that Russia had withdrawn the missiles. And it was like a light bulb went off. He knew the truth. He knew the truth. And he was able to get through the rest of his time in prison. See, but Alex didn't know. He was still believing the lies until the KGB brought them together in hopes that they would break. If you think Benkovsky will, prote will protect you, you think too highly of him. He betrayed his country, his family. Why not you? It is every man for himself. Yes.
I have not seen a mirror for a long time. I like to think I'm still who I was. Pretend I am. I wasn't sure I'd ever see you again. I'm so sorry you're here, Gravel. I hope you can forgive me for this. And for what I had to do. What do you mean, what you had to do? I held back. Save them, I had to tell the KGB the truth. All of the truth. I told them. I gave you pictures that helped Americans find missiles in Cuba. Of course, I told them. You didn't know what was in the packages I gave you. I could make the world a safer place. But I failed. All this. Betraying my country. My people. It was for nothing. Alex. I forgive you. I have to look after my family, too. Easy now, I know there's not going to be a nuclear war. Because Khrushchev withdrew his missiles to me. Because of you. Because of you. You did it. You did it, Alex. You did it.
only two people. But this is how things change. I wish I could say this had a happy ending for everyone involved. Because of Alex maintaining the story till the end, of not putting any blame on Greville whatsoever, of laying no guilt on him whatsoever, shouldering all of the guilt on himself, Greville was able to be set free from prison. But Alex Pankowski, because he shouldered all the guilt on his shoulders, within a few months was executed by the KGB. And he was buried in an unmarked grave. See, Alex, in that moment you saw on screen, he realized that nuclear war was prevented. And in the truth, Alex gave his life so that millions of lives could be saved. But to Greville, it wasn't just millions of lives saved. It was his life that was saved. Alex gave his life so that he could be set free. The Bible says in John 15, 13, greater love has nobody than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. On Veterans Day weekend, we, we celebrate the sacrifice that so many people have made. But all the veterans in the world, all the people who, who gave their lives, all of Alec Penkovsky giving his life so Greville could be set free, they all point us to the greatest sacrifice and the greatest freedom, which was Jesus Christ dying on the cross for every one of us so that we could be set free, not from a physical prison, but that we could be set free from sin in our lives that keeps us enslaved, that we could be set free from a lifetime, an eternity separated from God separated from his love, separated from his peace, that we could be forgiven, be made whole, be given a purpose, to be given new life. That's why Jesus was sacrificed, so we could be set free. First John says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. First Peter 3 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. But he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. He died so we could be set free. And I'm going to tell you something. Eternal life doesn't start the moment you die. Eternal life starts the moment that you accept him into your heart. Because it's a life full of purpose. It's a life on a mission. It's a life where you don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to be enslaved to sin. You can live the new life and the new purpose. The eternal life starts now. And one thing about Jesus' sacrifice is that it's a gift and we have to accept it. Just like the KGB officer, the world wants to lie to you over and over and over again. Maybe you came through these doors and you had Step foot in a church and you don't know how long. This is the first time you ever stepped foot in a church. But I'm going to tell you something. The world wants to lie to you so much. It wants to tell you that God is not watching out for you. It wants to tell you that God doesn't care about you. Tell you that God's not real. God doesn't see your situation. All those things. But when we see the truth of what God really truly says in his word and what he's really truly done, what he says about you, what he's done for you, when we see him dying on the cross, 
When we see there's nothing he wouldn't do to show us that he loves us. There's nothing he wouldn't do to forgive you. There's nothing he wouldn't do to show you that you were accepted and loved and called and his. The truth begins to set us free. He loves you. He created you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And he wants to forgive you. He died for you. And so what is our response to that this morning? He died for us. Let's live for him. I want to go ahead and ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray this morning. Well, it's not normal maybe to pray after a movie, but bear with me for a little bit. Some of you guys maybe feel something in your heart that you haven't felt in a long time. You felt the tug of God. That's what we call the Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit speaking to you this morning. And maybe you felt that of, man, I've been in sin. I've been enslaved to sin and I want to step I, I want to step out. I want to be set free. I want to come out from behind that iron curtain just like that first scene. I want to reach out to him this morning. Well, I want to tell you something. The Bible says when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. The Bible says that he died for you. And all you have to do is accept that gift and you can be forgiven and start that new life. And so if you want that this morning, nobody's going to look around when everybody's head bowed and everybody's eye, eyes closed. But if you want to pray that this morning, we want to pray with you this morning. We're not going to have you come up to the to the front. We're not going to have you. We're not going to call you out. You stay right there in the seat. Nobody's looking at you. We just want to. Everybody in the room is going to pray this prayer with you. But if you want to do that this morning, you want to step out from that life of sin. You want to be forgiven. You want to have that new life. I ask you this morning. Just raise your hand wherever you're at this morning. That's awesome. Anybody else, just raise your hand this morning. That's awesome. Y'all can put your hands down. Everybody in the room, I, I should ask you guys to pray this prayer out loud. It's not the words that, that save you. It's your heart reaching out to God. It's the faith is what the Bible says. So ask everybody, let's pray this prayer out loud. Help the ones who raise their hands. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for forgiving me. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to be a slave to that. I want to serve you. I want to live for you because you died for me. I accept your sacrifice. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen this morning. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer this morning? If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to ask you to just do one favor. We're not going to call you out, but just come find one of the pastors, anybody who was up on stage or anything this morning, or just anybody in the room. Tell them you prayed that prayer this morning. You want to know what's your next step, because we want to help you in that. We're so incredibly happy that you guys came. Thank you for coming this morning. We have At The Movies week three next week. God bless you guys. Thank you all so much for coming. We'll see you all next week.